Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. today's podcast we're going to talk about building a passing attack for a young quarterback and we're also going to focus on the aspect of coaching which I think every single one of us can get better at I know it was always a challenge for me and that's finding some balance in your professional life and personal life and joining me to talk about those things today is running backs coach and player development coach at Brevard College Coach John Tomlinson. Coach, it's great to have you here today. Hey, thank you, Coach. I'm excited to be here. Appreciate the opportunity to spend with you. Coach, you've, you've got 20 years of coaching uh, on your resume, and you've spent that at a number of different levels. You've been at the NAIA level, FCS. Uh, you're at the Division Three level now. Uh, You've been in the NFL and uh, in, in the high school level as well. So you have uh, a pretty wide perspective, both on the quarterback side of things as well as uh, the, the part we'll get to in the second half of the podcast, the, the kind of personal side of this, the finding balance. And, and that's going to come from a, a book that Coach wrote. You can find that on his website, CoachJohnTomlinson.com. It's called Fourth and Inches of Football Coaches season devotional so those are the things we're going to dig into today and coach let's focus on the football side of this first and get into this idea of building a passing attack for a young quarterback and you know when we're looking at that young guy coming in or if we've made a move of our school our team to a different place and we're stepping into a new situation and having to learn uh, about our players, it really all starts with an assessment. So for you, what are the things you look at when you're assessing a young quarterback? Uh, excellent question, Coach. So, I, and, and I'm going to take this from a couple of different perspectives. So let's just say, you know, it's a high school program. Uh, I just started there. I don't know anybody. There's always the benefit of, of huddle. Thank God for huddle. So, uh, if I'm getting to a new place, I'm going to always go back to the film. I was a coordinator at a high school years ago in Texas. The program was, uh, it was a struggling program. All I had was practice film and JV film for the quarterbacks that they had coming up. 
I went immediately to that JV film. And while those games were, you know, the quarters were shorter, uh, it was against a uh, competition that, you know, varied. I took every game, looked at every snap that that quarterback played in. If he played on defense, I looked at that too because that could tell me something about his footwork. If I didn't have any film at all, I'm asking everyone that knows this kid. And I actually, and this was just some experience that I received from NFL scouts when they would go on the road and, and, you know, try to get intel on players. And probably some of this comes from my background in uh, cybersecurity years ago before I moved to Texas. I'm going to get in the building. Anybody that knows the kid can tell me something about him. If he played another sport, I believe that's a benefit. So if he was a base, baseball player, a basketball player, like I noticed in some of the quarterbacks I most recently had to evaluate that I had no film on, they played other sports. So that was a good lead-in for me. Uh, before I assess the kid from a mechanic standpoint, if I don't have any film, I go to those people. I find out if he played other sports. I watch him play the other sports. If there's anything I can find on the kid, I go with that. And after I do those interviews, I ask those couple of people about him. I'm not just asking about his physical ability, but I want to know about his character. I do check the grades. I want to know what his grades are like. If the kid is struggling in the classroom, you know most likely I'm going to have an issue with him either retaining the playbook or understanding some of my communication. It's possible. I'm not saying it's, I, I can't get through to him, but it could if he be struggling academically. But if I have film, then I can build a plan. Uh, so long story short, I go through every extreme possible because I want to get to know him because when I meet him, I want him to know that I've done my research. And, you know, I've done this at the college level, too. When when the quarterbacks uh, come in the room for the first time and I'll point out a game and I'll go to a specific play, it could be third and eight, and it's a decision that they made and how much I liked it. Players like that. They like to know that you've done your research. So that's what I try to do before I ever have my first conversation. I want to make sure I can swab every desk, <laughs> look at every tape, and find every fact that I can before we have our first conversation. And then from there, I build an assessment around his footwork, around his mechanics. And, you know, if he's a younger guy, there's an opportunity that I might be able to uh, correct some upper body mechanics. Footwork, always. Yeah. So just, just a couple of things. That's, that's usually how I go about it. I want to find find the film, find the person, the people, and, you know, I want to vet them out as well to see if they really know them. And it's typically adults. And then I work my way down a list. It's almost like a checklist. And I've had that same checklist for years. Coach, I love just that idea and the detail you gave about all the different ways you're going to go into finding out about your players. Um, I've been saying for a long time now that you know, as we talk about culture all the time and, and building culture and building relationships that uh, as a coach, one of the main functions you have is really to be able to give feedback to that individual that will help him improve. And I feel that all starts with evaluation, with assessment. And so for you, doing your homework, being able to come into that situation, I'd imagine that your experiences have shown you're immediately building rapport with that player. You're immediately cementing the, the foundation of that relationship, and he knows that this guy is here to get me better. Right. Exactly. I, I will say this, too, and this is just from a technical standpoint. Let's just say 
all things are equal. This is a perfect world. We have film. I know sometimes, depending on where you are in the age pipeline, experience, and the want to, because at the end of the day, we always we want our kids to give maximum effort. When we evaluate, we have to give maximum effort. That means if you have 14 uh, games on this kid and you have practice from every week for 14 to 15 weeks, you need to look at every single play because you can't build an assessment if you don't look at them. And so that's what I mean. Like you have to be willing to put in the energy to do it. And once you draft out everything in a spreadsheet, you see how many balls he completed. Now, some things could be, be – they could come from coaching or lack of it. If you're taking on a new job, then part of the issue was is you're replacing somebody. If you're, repla- you're either replacing them because they did a great job and they're going on to greener pastures, or you're replacing them because they didn't do a really good job. But uh, for you, the, the kids, when you get in that situation, the kid doesn't know – he didn't he doesn't need to know either way how you feel about the previous situation. He may have loved that coach. So there's a there's a mental uh, game you have to play as well. You have to be complimentary. You can't trash the previous person. You have to walk in with a clean slate, and you have to let this kid know that you've done all your homework. You saw every throw. You saw every handoff. Hey, I've noticed, man, about 60% of the plays that you ran to in you know, the end of the season, you didn't carry any faith. You just ball watched. You watched the plays. Hey, we're going to fix that. I noticed when you were throwing drop back, you didn't drive the ball uh, when throwing intermediate routes. But we're going to work on that. I think you do a great job in quick game. Your coach did a great job with you uh, in your screen game. And I, I love how you carried out play action or whatever. Those are the things that the kid needs to know because now he knows you know your stuff. Yep. I, I agree 100%. It reminds me of, of when I took my first job as a, a position coach at the college level. And, you know, as I sat, that was part of the interview, actually. They, they said, we got this really athletic quarterback. He's got a great arm. Uh, he can do all kinds of things. But he'd pull up a, a, a list of cut-ups where he's just getting in trouble and losing yards and losing yards trying to escape and, how are we going to fix that? And so that was part of my plan. And, and I think part of what got me the job is, okay, here's what I would do. Here's how I would work it. And so when I met with the quarterback the first time, I had gone and dug into that more and, and exact same thing. I was able to tell, man, you are so good at this, this, and this. Here's what we really got to work on and where we can make a difference. And you know that, that approach helped big time. Uh, and I'm sure for you, you spent your time um, – you know, throughout your career, three different times you've been with uh, three NFL organizations, the Colts, the Browns, and the Raiders. Uh, you spent the, the the largest amount of time in the NFL was right here in Cleveland where I am with, with the Browns. And I know this, when you get into uh, some of those situations, you were offensive quality control, you learn to look at the game in a much different way, right? The, the amount of detail that they look at things in the NFL is is just crazy. And I had worked done some work uh, a project for the scouting department for the Browns and was breaking down receivers. And I think on every single play I had to enter, I think it was 21 different uh, data points, 21 columns in, in Exos Thundercloud. Uh, but, you know, the fine details that you learn things about that. So how much of that, and I know, you know, it's different when you're applying that now to the, the high school level. You can't overwhelm really anybody at any level with the data, but 
how did that help you really start to see the game in a different way? Man, that detail was the biggest benefit for me because it helped how I prepare kids. Now, I'll take on the brunt of all the details, whether it's breaking down coverages, what do they do? I put it in categories, you know, mixed downs, third down. There's a difference between how they may adjust pressure on third down and mixed downs. There's a difference in the red zone. There's a difference when it's two minutes before halftime and two minutes at the end of the game. And so as a coordinator, the things I learned in the NFL, I will go back and teach the coaches. I will coach the coaches. So now as they break down information, they're giving the information to the players in subsets. But they're not telling them the same thing I would coach the coaches. Just give the kids the information that they need to have, how it pertains to their position, what the defense looks like, you know, what you want particular downs. Hey, these are, the, these are the defenses they run against these formations. Guys, we're in the red zone. This is what you can expect practically all the time. You're going to get one or two, maybe three coverages, and that's it. So it, I think it's the language. The details were awesome. The things that I learned in the NFL were, were just unreal. And so what I, would, was I, what I was able to do just from the standpoint of taking it back to, you know, even Brevard. Um, it's just take the information, I, I study it, I break it down, and then I regurgitate it in a way that's helpful to the players because at the end of the day, it's the communication that you give the players that's most important. You know, I spent time in rooms where, you know, the quarterback coach would have a, a, a way of breaking down and digesting the dropback concept, but the head coach would have a different way of doing it sometimes. And sometimes too much information to the player can be overwhelming so it's all about the text how you disseminate that information is the most important thing give it to them in a way that they understand it and so that's why it's so important for you to digest it in a way and then you know revise it if that's a, the right word to say or put it in a way that they understand because everyone has a different mechanism to how they learn uh, some 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 do really well with you know verbal. Some they need that video. They need to see it. Some are okay if you just put it in bullets. And so, I think though the things that I've learned at that level have really helped me more than any other experience in just how to break an opponent down. Because tape is everything. You teach off of it. That's the same thing I do now, and that's the same thing I've been doing for years. I work off of tape because those were those are where the facts are. Yeah, I know in just this past off season and watching a bunch of these clinics, and I think we've talked about it on the podcast with some coaches as well, that learning, you know, the manner in which your players learn is, is so important. I remember uh, it was it was uh, Dave Patnude's uh, talk, Georgia Tech quarterback coach, talking about giving all of his players the VAC test, visual, audio, kinesthetic, learning which way that they best learn. Um, so for you – you know, what what methods did you have going about learning or do you have going about learning a, about the best way your players learn and then being able to apply that to them as you are, you know, giving them the content they need to be successful at their position? Perfect. So I, I'm going to give you two, two words, uh, visual, and then, and, and I'll use this other word that's almost like the two words go together, visual repetitiveness. 
All right. And so repetitive is auditory, auditory, and it's the visual. And this this has worked for me in the quarterback room for years, but it's also helped me in the running back room. So when we when I break down film, obviously I put a playlist together just like everyone else at every level because I've seen it in EXOs when I was working for David Lee when I was with the Browns. I've seen this when I was with Kirby Wilson and I was in the running back room with him in Oakland before they became the Vegas Raiders. And when I was with Frank Wright in Indianapolis, it was the exact same way. Film supported everything, and he always had a plan going in. Each of these guys had a plan going in. This is the film I'm going to show because this is what we're going to focus on this particular day. Whether it was install or addressing an upcoming opponent, and we want to talk about you know how to attack them in, in red zone. So for me, it's the film, and then it's the repetitive cues of, Guys, how do we read this concept? After I teach it and I show it and I repeat my verbal cues, as the meeting progresses, I'm asking them questions that I should already expect to get the answer from because I just said it about maybe 10 times. Mm -hmm. So they've walked out of the meeting and they understand it because they keep hearing it and hearing it and hearing it. The repetitiveness of me saying it as I go through the film, each cut up, but they also see it. And so... And, and I know we had talked about this from what I've learned. I actually, I created a teaching mechanism just for that. One of the things I've seen with young quarterbacks is their inability to understand coverages because there's never a mechanism to help them understand it. Now, while every coach has a great way of teaching it, sometimes the best way to shape them is give them those cues, visual repetitiveness. And so as an app I developed that helps them understand coverages. They learn it first in a classroom, and then as they play the tool, they keep seeing coverages. Now they start to understand the importance of, hey, is it a two-high shell or is it a one-high shell? Or are the safeties inside of 10 yards, which represents this is probably some kind of zero coverage or off-man. And so the same way I developed the tool is the exact same way I teach. And so this, this is, you know, I've been doing this for years. The same thing, visual repetitiveness. Always have the film to show them. Don't get too wordy and just give them those repetitive cues, which usually align around their rules. Mm -hmm. You know, whether it's uh, re-ID and pass pro or if it's being a running back, hey, man, what do we do in jet protection? All right, who, who, what's your assignment here? And I just keep, hey, I got the mic to them. So they hear it all the time. We look at, the, we look at a clip. I, I got my red laser just like everybody else. Hey, I need you to come up here. Show me what Mike and Sam is on this. What what did the center say? What did he ID as the Mike in this particular, you know, uh, pass concept? Boom. He goes up. He points. And that keeps all the other guys away because they're probably saying to themselves, man, he's going to call me. <laughs> mm-hmm. So I try to make sure I support those two big words all the time, visual repetitiveness. And everything I do, it's constantly a repetitive nature. But I – I reinforce it by letting guys in the room be coaches just for a minute. Right. That makes sense. Yes, it yeah. does. So extending okay. that a head coach, looking at, okay, I learn about this guy. I know what he's capable of. Um, I have a learning plan for him. Yeah. Um, you know, everybody yeah. kind of has a menu of, of things in their playbook. And I know for us, it, it would, a lot of it would depend, you know, the focus was going to be on what that guy could be best at. And so, you know, one particular year, I had a guy who just 
could drop back in the pocket, see everything well. And, you know, our attack always started with four verticals and he could scan the field and scan into his reads, et cetera. You know, moving forward to a younger quarterback after he graduated, uh, a, a guy who was a sophomore. And actually, there were three sophomores that year that started uh, just because of injuries. So it was a little bit of a revolving door with all these new quarterbacks in. But the, the guy we started with, you know, worked better um, on being able to start on one side of, of the route and then being able to look into the windows, scan his eyes into the windows uh, coming at him. And, and he just worked better that way. So our, our game plan shifted a little bit. Our install shifted a little bit to accommodate uh, who he was as a quarterback. So for you, when you're looking at, okay, I know this kid, I know what he's capable of, how do you start to find his identity and how you're going to tailor the offense that particular year, or at least when he's in the game, because it might it might shift a little bit if you have to go to that next guy, but tailor it to fit his identity. Yeah, I'm, man, I love this question, and I think, Coach, you and I are very similar when you were talking about it. A mentor of mine, he was a big West Coast guy, and um, and that's kind of my foundation from a lot of these different offenses I've learned from. He always says the first thing he installs, <laughs> first thing is four verticals. Uh, and he teaches pure progression as he goes through it. Mm-hmm. And so he wants to make sure that that quarterback understands where his mic is and how to go through his progression. And so as he teaches it, hey, it's pure progression for everybody. It doesn't change. One guy might be able to do a little bit better than the other. But as he goes through his install, he makes sure that he teaches it the same. And as they go through practice and execute it, I would like to assume that a, that a guy, uh, if, if you're teaching it well, he should be able to go through his progression pretty well. And getting the ball out on time has a lot to do with him understanding the concept. I think that's the most important thing. Mm-hmm. But what I've learned over the years, I had a quarterback that went to Notre Dame and there was a young quarterback behind him. He was the head coach's son, great kid, football mind. Might not have been the most talented quarterback from a physical standpoint and arm strength, but we catered something to him. So while he wasn't a great four-verse guy because of arm strength, he knew how to get that ball to the check down. So I would always tell him, man, go through your same progression, nothing's different. All right, if he, if he wants to check it down and not throw that bender, fine. But what we really worked on with him and made him successful with because he ended up having to play because we had an injury with our starter was quick game. Mm-hmm. And he was a master class guy in quick game and screens. And that's where we excelled with him. And I, I always believe this. I believe after you teach a principle, you need to understand is arm strength. Is, is there any limitation in the player's arm strength? If it's not, it might just be certain things that he sees uh, that, that just match up better with his personality. Can he throw the intermediate ball well? If that's not an issue, then you should be able to go right through your drop back game and find certain things he's good at. Certain guys see things certain ways. But I believe that you have to find things that cater to your player because every guy might be in a different place in their development. You might have had a senior that throws everything in your package well. RPO, screen pass option drop back, play action, but then you might have a sophomore, all he can do is screens and and quick game. So you got to dress things up a little bit, you know, to to disguise his inability Mm -hmm. at that particular time. 
And so as I used to always tell our head coach, Coach, why don't we ask him what he does well? But we, we follow that up with the menu because I can look at a, a script and see, hey, he's struggling with this. Even though he likes it, he's not good at this yet. So I need to do a better job as a teacher. And, and if I maximize myself in this area and I found the things that he does like, I don't want to spend all of my time talking about, man, I really like this concept for this kid. This is what's going to work well for him. What he's done well on tape is what he does well. And I probably shouldn't go outside those bounds too much because I want to develop him and get him confidence to move on to other yeah. things in the playbook. And so that's essentially what I've done. Very similar to you, like I go through our menus and in each part of that menu where there's drop back, quick game, I see those things that he's efficient at, getting the ball out on time, footwork is timing up with the concept. Then I move to the next thing. And but but one of the first things I try to do is bridge where is he at with his arm strength? Are his feet on time? Is he sitting back patting the ball? If he's patting the ball, he'll understand the concept. That's pretty much the issue. He doesn't understand it or he's looking at the wrong thing. And so that's why for me I spend a lot of time in the film room making sure they know what their read keys are and they're going through their progression, not looking at defenders rushing up the field. They're looking at if they're looking at opposite color jerseys in pass rush, I don't need to have the job because I must be doing a, a, a bad job, which is why I try to evaluate that first, and I stripe their helmets if they don't have helmets striped, because I, I want to know their eyes are in the right place. Mm-hmm. So teaching and is important. I want to make sure that they're always on time, eyes downfield. And then from there, I match it up with conceptually what do they do well, and I try to make sure, like you said, the menu matches them to, you know, as much as possible. That's where coaches probably get hurt sometimes. The backup comes in. They either don't know what to do with him or or he's coming because they've been giving him things all week to match with his skill set. Yes, I, I agree with that. Um, some really important things you, you brought up. It, it As you were talking about it, it brought me back to my first year as a, a head high school coach. And, um, you know, our quarterback that we had um, – he is more than capable of, of running an offense, but he could throw a ball firm, yeah. firmly, maybe 15 yards on a line, right? It was like, wow, you know, mm. not a lot of things you could do here. Um, but our passing game that year, we, we did play action waggle, kind of wing T focused football team. So we were using that waggle pass all the time. Would you get them on the move and, you know, short completions there? And the rest was a right. lot of quick game answers. I, I want to say one of our dropbacks was like, you know, the the Hank concept or curl flat, you know, the four zero four type yeah. of route with the backs flat. Uh, we would throw that, and he was good at that and reading that. But everything else was some kind of quick game. In fact, I go back to it. Uh, I think one of the if, – if you, if you don't have it, uh, he did three books on it, uh, Andrew Coverdale's stuff okay. on the quick game, it, you know, for our listeners too, is, is the best stuff out there. We actually built our – passing offense around that and led our conference that year in passing the football, even though our quarterback couldn't throw more than 15 uh, <laughs> yards on a line. Right. But everything would, would come out quick and we had a very small, probably one of the smallest offensive lines in the conference. So it suited us very well, not just the quarterback, right. but our line too, to be able to get the ball out and, and, uh, and then, you know, spread them out a little bit to run the football. So I think those things are so important. And then, 
you know, a couple of tools that have come up on this podcast, I think are worth men- mentioning. One is, is an Andrew Coverdale one again. He talked about something he does with his quarterbacks. Uh, he was at uh, Trinity in uh, Louisville for uh, years and just won his 13th state championship here in Ohio, moved to St. Xavier in Cincinnati. But mm. his like it and love it list, right? He'd sit down with his quarterback and go through and, you know, here's what's on the game plan. You like it or you love it, right? And and really gauge what the quarterback was was doing with that. And then um, Tom Lombardo, uh, he's, he's won a couple state championships. He's from the Cleveland area here at St. Edwards High School. Talked about how in practice he'll turn over the play calling to uh, his quarterbacks, you know, when they get in the team and let them call plays. Yeah. And, and he goes through and notes what are they calling because it tells him a lot about, well, this is where this guy's comfort level really is. He's calling this certain set of <laughs> plays you. or he's calling this one over and over. So I think there's a lot you can learn in communicating with your quarterbacks and and also giving them the reins in some things. And, you know, in thinking about it, probably the best way to do that, especially if you have some young guys in the room, um, is is maybe to do it individually at times too because you know they're trying to compete they want to keep up with the older guy they want to say that all oh, you know they like the same things he does and whatever but you need them to be honest right you need them to tell you this is what i yeah. really feel comfortable with and i feel i can complete so if i get into the game please call these plays right that's where we have to live with our quarterback so yeah. i think there's some tools for doing it and and i'll go through and, and link to some of those episodes here so uh, our coaches can go back to them but you know, I think it goes back to what we said at the beginning, just that assessment, right? And assessment can mean also allowing them to have input into where they are, allowing them to self-evaluate and give you that information as well. Yeah. You know, Coach, that's, here's something I learned from a, a friend of mine, uh, Eric Bienemy. You know, you had him on the show. I remember he spoke about two months ago now, a month and a half. Uh Eric said he he prefers tips over tests. So when I get a young guy, my whole structure of teaching him first is how to be a quarterback by understanding fundamentally the why to everything. Run game, pass game, pass pro, re-ID, why defenses do what they do, the why. And in Texas, you know, you have that that winter season before spring ball. We, we used to call it football one-on-one at Cedar Hill High School. Well, that's what I spent that time doing, engaging those guys. Because once they understand the why, then you start to give autonomy. And so, you know, you, you've heard guys, you know, attach run plays with tags. We did the same thing. We didn't really call them RPOs, but we would make you defend every blade of that fake grass in Texas. And so if that that outside linebacker, that apex guy, is sniffing and playing close to the box because he's worrying about us running inside zone, our quarterback would know. He would look at leverage. He would look at safety alignment. He would flick that ball out there. We'd either run a now screen or a bubble. But we had guys that could run that, and they were threats. And so it would always be tagged with every run. And on the backside, it would be a quick game concept. Over time, I gave him that autonomy because he was comfortable understanding this is what the defense is doing, Coach. And this goes back to what I was talking about earlier, you know, uh, visual repetitiveness. The more we spend together, the more we look at film, the more we get on tape of his behavior, 
the more he understands. And so by the time he gets to his sophomore, junior year, now he's a coach. And so not only do, do we give him the opportunity to call some of his own plays in practice, because it's not giving up control. It's shared success that we're all working towards. He's the one that's running the offense. It's my job to teach him how to run it so now he can really run it. So whether it's our two-minute offense and something I learned from Al Saunders, uh, and it's pretty much the most uniform thing that every NFL team does in their two-minute. It's usually a small menu, one-word plays. Everyone knows the pass protection. The hash pretty much aligns you. And so if you're on the left hash, it's trips to the field, typically with an attached tight end. I started implementing that same thing when I came back to Texas. The quarterback was so efficient at it. He would always throw that boundary comeback because it was free access. He took it all the time because he heard me teach that. You know, so so I do believe that that's the autonomy that you start to give your guys the more they understand because you taught the why correctly. You know, and the one thing I want to make sure I didn't want to miss in just saying all of that is also the ability to give him a meeting every week, at least one, where this might be your signal meeting where you have your receivers and your running backs in there together. If you want your whole offense in, that's fine. I used to have my quarterback put together a 20-play to 25-play playlist. He usually was Wednesday or Thursday, typically Wednesday. He would have those guys come in and be a 15-minute meeting. He would run it. And they respected him for it because he is the coach on the field. And so he would pretty much say, hey, man, here's the guy we need to watch out for. And, and this is what they do in, in coverage, and we need to watch this on third down. Hey, guys, this is the signal for this particular audible that we're going to check to. And he would go over it. And that gave him that much more confidence as a leader in the room, and it would translate to the field. I love that. Yeah, that's a that's a great idea, I think, worth, uh, worth anybody implementing. Whatever kind of offense you run, that is the guy you need to be the coach on the field. And just from a – a, a learning perspective too. How, how do you know that you know things best that you're able to teach it, right? And so when you take that approach right. that, geez, I got to teach this, kind of puts a different focus on how you're going to learn those things. I, uh, so I love that idea. <laughs> Thank you for sharing that with us. Yeah, welcome. Uh, yeah. So, so I know you've put together a, a great resource on CoachTube, uh, two courses you broke it into two courses uh, part one part two of building a passing attack for a young quarterback and in there you do break down what I feel is becoming a more and more uh, popular type of play we've we've been in the RPO era for a long time now and this has been around for a little while you don't hear it as much but the screen pass option I think gives an offense some uh, some incredible opportunities talk us through uh, the the screen pass option and, and some of the things you like to do to create those opportunities for your quarterback and, and your team. I got you. So I learned this from a mentor of mine, grateful that he showed it to me. It opened my world up. So one day when I was at the, the quarterback coach in North Carolina Central, Moses where I credit him because he's a big West coast guy. He learned from uh, Brian Billick uh, was, was also uh, mentored by Schottenheimer when, you know, he's passed since now, but, you know, when he was alive, that was, you know, someone else that, that also mentored him. He was a receiver in the NFL for a short period of time, uh, but this is where he really learned, you know, the offense. And so 
he's presenting to me, you know, pure progression concept, drive. Shallow, dig, check down. Shallow, dig, check down. Shallow, dig, check down. John, you don't need to teach it any other way. It's pure progression. It's one to two to three. One to two to three. I said, okay, Mo, I got you. And so, you know, I started implementing that in my teaching. He told me it doesn't matter the coverage. This is a universal coverage beater. So what he told me was is you attach this with a screen. So the back is your check down. Now you, you attach it to a slip screen. Still reading Mike, all right? If Mike doesn't get to that back, you throw that drive. If Mike drops, you throw that slip screen. And so all he's doing is just reading the primary defender in the concept. Typically in drive, it's that Mike. Because if he if he drops, you throw in that shallow. If he disrupts that daggone shallow cross, you throw in that dig behind it, and then you work into your check down. Y'all, you're going to the back no matter what if you're going to throw the screen. But the way he uh, the way he taught it, and, and this is pretty much what you're going to see, is you take a concept, you attach your read key to it. If your read key, he's never can be right, never can be right. You're either going to mm-hmm. throw the concept or throw the screen. That's it. So it's very much just like RPO. You just, instead of a run pass option, it's just a screen pass option. And so he definitely made it easy for me to understand it, but the concept that he taught behind the screen were all universal coverage beaters. It didn't matter what coverage team drank. Mm-hmm. It just doesn't matter. Just go with your you go with your read key. Whatever your read key does, it'll never be right. So I said, okay. And, you know, I, I have some film on that and uh, take you through actually more than one concept to help you understand it, and it's a screen attached to it. So I do. I love it, man. And, you know, even the RPO stuff, it's been around forever. Right. <laughs> Everybody doesn't understand that. Yeah. And, and I'll, I'll credit uh, Darwin Bro, former head coach, Dickinson College, Pennsylvania. He's the person that taught me the RPO stuff. He just didn't call it that. He was a pistol triple, triple option guy. And he used to manipulate those outside linebackers all the time, running triple option and pistol. And he would always have a quick game concept behind it. They could never be right. And he made sure of that. And so that's, I learned it from him. This is probably 2003, 2002, somewhere in there. Just didn't call it run pass option. Right. Well, coach, shifting gears here and, you know, thinking about everything we've had to deal with in in this last year, uh, become, very stressful. There's there's been a lot more added to uh, the coach's plate, um, and I think more than ever the the high school teacher coach, right? And and talking to a lot of those guys, talking to teachers, I mean they they say this last year has felt like three, right? It's it's just been um, it's something that's been draining because of all the extra things that we never had to think about before when we were going about doing our jobs, right? So. Um, Right. The, the the resource you've put together kind of helps coaches focus on and and um, get that balance in their life, right? It's so important, really, in, in any time, but I think especially right now. Uh, an odd right. year, I know guys have been in and out of seasons, been paused on seasons, uh, had to wait for seasons, you know, now a quick turnaround to get ready for the fall. Uh, but at some point, we still need to recharge and talk to us a little bit about 
the, the resource you put together. And I guess what was it that led you to, to putting this together for coaches? Man, glad you asked that question in the way you did. Um, so, I, you know, I wrote the book, man, years ago, and it, the book took years to actually complete. So it was kind of like a diary for me. So when I was at Cedar Hill High School, I was working for Joey McGuire, who's now at Baylor. Um, I used to write, you know, an introspective look at life every week, and I would just copy all the coaches on the staff. Well, I ended up going over like 18 weeks. You know, we won back-to-back state championships uh, at 6A and 5A level when I was at Cedar Hill, and it was a journey. You know, sometimes you think everything is just going right, and then something crazy happens with a coach, something at home, somebody loses a parent, a kid uh, loss, a, a, a parent in the middle of the season, and it always helps you to realize, man, you know, life is extremely precious, and there are a lot of things going on. It's some, it, it's, it definitely is more important than just football itself. It's about relationships, and, you know. So I really realized I had to write the book when my father passed. And my father was everything to me. Marine, Vietnam vet, PTSD. Now imagine you having a parent with all of those things raising you, and there was no mom at home. It was all, all him. So my father raised me for like a year, from when I was a year old. So his influence was heavy on me, as you know. And so um, when he passed, I felt the urge to complete these journal entries that I did as a coach at the high school. My last two years at Cedar Hill were difficult because my father had dementia. So while he was in another state, um, I'm checking on him in pregame. You know, I used to always walk around the field before the game, 90 minutes to two hours. Nobody else is out there but me. And I'm just walking around the field. I might watch guys come out, do a little stretch, go back in. But I'm calling, doing wellness checks with the local police department in Virginia, just making sure he's there. Um, so it was a challenge for me, but it, it really helped me to understand where I was in my own life. While I'm trying to mentor quarterbacks and, and get from one week to the next, I have that on my mind all the time. So I believe that it was an urging and it was just God putting them heart. Man, let write about your own experiences in the profession, but also how important it is to mentally and emotionally check yourself every week. And so that's how the devotional was written. So it's kind of like a question and answer. It's a theme every week, just like you have a theme when you prepare for an opponent. And that's what motivated me to write it is to serve other guys because I was serving other coaches, you know, when I was on that staff. And when I looked at how much content I had, I said, man, I need to put something together. So I call it a season's devotional because it really is, it's going through every week from preseason all the way to postseason. I even talk in the book about how to keep things, leave things better than when you left. You, you might be leaving for another job. But leave things better than when you found them. Don't leave burning bridges, even if you don't like how everything played out, because you're still influencing young men and they're watching you constantly. So don't leave, burn everything down. 
because it's a bad character trait you leave for the player. And so it, it covers a lot of different things, but all the things are for coaches. And that was why I wrote it. And so it's written by a coach for coaches in helping guys deal with whatever they're dealing with. It's personal. You can, you know, you can put your own personal information in there and it's for you. So that's really what motivated me to write it was one with my father and how he was such a big theme in my own life and how important it is, man, to maintain balance. Because when I was in Cleveland, I lost my father right before training camp. And I'll be honest with you, football is the only thing at that time I believe that carried me through. And what I mean by that is, is I was kind of on just autopilot. I was coaching and the coaching just took me away from having to deal with, man, I just lost my biggest advocate outside my wife. And so, you know, I, I learned a lot when I left that place and how important it is to have balance. I use football as my, you know, <laughs> my, my hiding place, but, you know, the book really helped me understand better, man, it's important. You have to be able to spend some time with the wife or the girlfriend if you're not married, and you must spend that time with your kids and all the sports they play. Drop stuff. Let one of these younger coaches go and, and, and be at the JV game and be on the sidelines if you can't do it that particular time because your son has a game the same night. You know, make sure that you're there for them because that time goes fast. Being a father of five, I know they're all adults now. It, it certainly does go fast. My son just turned 18 the other day. My daughter's off at college, and, you know, I, I remember them, you know, being tiny babies, it feels like yesterday. But, man, it moves quick. So, yes, I, I agree. We have to, to be able to pause. And, and uh, again, a great resource. Coaches, you can find that. Uh, book fourth and inches of football coaches season devotional at coach com, and of course it's on amazon as well coach when you look at all the things you do as a coach to um, prepare your players uh, on and off the field what's the one thing you point to that really gives your guys the winning edge man who relationship with them it because when they trust me, I already know I have you. That relationship is important. I coach players like they're my own kids. And I'm not a, you know, I'm not 20-something anymore. So I've been a father, so I know how important that is. Uh, but that trust, which links to honesty, that's the key to me. That's the key to everything. If they trust me, they're going to understand how I teach, what, what my expectation is, and they know I'm there for them. You know what I mean? So... It's, it's not just on the field, it's off the field. It's the whole person, all right? So trust in, in, in that relationship makes everything go, everything. And you don't have to be a dad to, 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 to have that quality. But, man, how can you coach a player if you don't have a relationship with them? You know, at Brevard, I had nine running backs. <laughs> the most we're going to play at one time, in a particular package, it could be three, but typically it was two. So you know all those guys are not. So I have to be honest with them. And once we, we've established that honesty and trust, man, all those guys, they got on the field at one point or another. And they trusted me. They knew I wasn't lying to them. I let them know where they stood, and that made the relationship that much better. 
I'll make sure I share a film with you too. You know, we I did a uh, a cut up, just a duo play. We'll talk about it another time, but yeah, I'd <laughs> just love the to. success we had. Yeah, all these guys ran it hard, but it was more than just what they were told to do about the play and the discipline of the play. It was the relationship. So, no question to me, relationship and trust has has what's helped me be the coach that I am. Coach, what's the best way for our listeners to contact you? All right. Well, you can definitely contact me, uh, John dot Tomlinson zero nine at Gmail. Probably the easiest way uh, to, to reach me. And uh, any questions they they might have, I can definitely uh, respond to them there. And uh, and on Coach John Tomlinson, I have that email address as well. They can go right to it, and they can just send me a message. So that's not a problem. Matter of fact, I'm trying to make sure I don't have my telephone number on there. Oh, yeah, I do. I have all my contact information on there. Mm-hmm. So they definitely can They can text me, cause, so I have my number there. Great. And uh, I know you, you do have a Twitter account, at Tomlinson Coach as well. Yeah. Coach, I really appreciate you taking the time to talk to us here, and we'd love to have you back another time to talk about duo or anything else you'd like to. Um, but best of luck to Absolutely, you and, and your guys as you prepare for 2021. Yep, thank you, Coach. I appreciate the time. Thanks again for listening to the Coach and Coordinator podcast. Please check out all we're doing at coachandcoordinator.com. We've got some great things coming for you in May and for the last three months or so of this offseason we'll be back with all in on offense and our deep dive on defense and we have some great interviews with coaches as well as some quick casts that we'll throw in there check out all we're doing again at coachandcoordinator.com and follow me on twitter at coach k grabowski